Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Catholic Talk Show. Today, we're going to be talking about why Protestants get the Catholic faith so wrong. That's right. We're joined by Keith Nestor, a former Protestant pastor, to talk about why Protestants often missee the Catholic Church. One thing's for certain, as a pastor of the community here and through RCIA, um, you know, bringing the misnomers and the and the misconceptions of our Catholic faith, I always really turn to you, Keith, and you've been so supportive to people here at the parish. So thank you and welcome back to the show. It's my honor to be here, guys. Good to see all of you. Yeah, I echo that sentiment. Keith, you're one of our favorite guests to have on the show. It's good to see your face. The Rosary Crew is an integral part of uh, a group that's been praying for my wife, Jen, and uh, just can't say enough about how much I really love to see your face, man. Oh, we love you guys, man, and uh, our, all of our best to your family and especially to your lovely wife. We're praying for her. Thanks, buddy. Yeah, Keith really is one of our kindred spirits out there online in, in, the, in the space. Uh, you know, his his people who are around him and praying the rosary and the rosary crew, they listen to our stuff and our listeners listen to Keith. So it's always a real pleasure to have Keith on and, um, and talk about stuff and from his unique perspective as being a former Protestant pastor to where he can now talk about as a convert, why so often Protestants just really misunderstand Catholicism and don't even give it a fair shot, right? That's the thing that's always kind of upset me is that they're not evaluating for what Catholicism actually is. They're evaluating it for what they think Catholicism There's is. There's no inquiry into right. yes, and then, well, that's what's what being we, said. Yeah, and that's what we wanted to talk about today and get Keith's perspective on. So Yeah, and you know, I've, I've relied heavily and I give all of my RCIA members uh, each year, and we've got record numbers this year too, so I had to go back on the on your website and pick up the Convert's Guide to Roman Catholicism because really just jumping into um, you know, some of these uh, clear misunderstandings, it, it creates an opportunity. And I think that's what I love about our show so much. It's an opportunity to come into contact with what the Catholic Church actually teaches. And, you know, that's a beautiful moment when people recognize, you know, wow, I, I didn't know that the the Catholic Church actually taught that. I was taught mm. something very different. Right. Um, so this, this will be very helpful to a lot of people. Yeah. 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 So Keith, why don't you tell us a little bit about your background and why you're uniquely qualified to speak on this topic? Well, I think I'm uniquely qualified to speak on it because I had a lot of misconceptions about Catholicism, too, for most of my life. I mean, I grew up um, in the home of a United Methodist pastor. My dad is a retired pastor, so I grew up in, in the Protestant world, and I always kind of bounced around, though, in between different types of churches, which is, I think, part of what we're going to talk about is how within Protestantism, there seems to be this ability that people have to bounce around within different communities. But when it comes to the Catholic Church, that's sort of on a different level. People don't really do that very often. Some do, but most most Protestants would never think about the Catholic Church the way that they think about another type of Protestant church. I became a Catholic in 2017 after a pretty long discernment period. And a lot of that discernment that I went through, and that I've talked to plenty of others who've gone through this too, a lot of it is really unlearning a lot of things that you thought you knew about Catholicism and stripping away your misconceptions and then getting to a baseline and then building it back up slowly based on what's true and what the church really teaches. And then you have to combine that with the experiential aspect of worshiping as a Catholic or understanding the way that Catholic life is lived, which is a completely different culture in many different ways. And then throughout all those things, then you have the ability to make a decision on what you think about Catholicism. But it's it's not just as simple as reading an article or two or having a quick conversation with someone when it comes to understanding what the Catholic Church is. So for me, that was a big part of my story. So coming up, what did you understand? Like, what were you told about Catholicism? You know, what in your cultural view was like, what did you think of the Catholic Church as a Protestant before you converted? Well, I, I looked at the people that I knew who said they were Catholic. So that's where I started. And most of the people that I knew that said they were Catholic had real, had no real faith in Jesus that I could see. 
they were just kind of going through the motions of life and they happened to be Catholic. I mean, of course, growing up with the kids in my school, the ones who were who were identifying as Catholics, they didn't have any other part of their life that seemed to be on fire for Jesus or a biblically based life the way that a lot of my more evangelical friends had. The ones who were Catholic just sort of were like Catholic in name only. So that really prevented me from going really much further with Catholicism. But then I, I, I used to listen to or watch this, this um, or I had this publication sent to me that from this evangelical group out in California when I was like a kid growing up, we used to get magazines. And I remember there was one that was sent to me and it was said Roman Catholicism and the cult of the Virgin Mary. And it was all these articles about Catholicism. And it said things like that Catholics worship Mary, that they had all these uh, idols that they worship, that they believed that the Pope was perfect and all, all the different caricatures. So my my understanding of my understanding of Catholicism came from Protestants who were just parroting different things that they heard. And I didn't have any positive examples of Catholicism in my life that I could that I could look to as a way to balance that out. You know, isn't that, isn't that like the phenomenon of of information in our society today, whether it's Catholic or not, that you hear certain things, you believe certain things, and then you act or don't act upon them, but they they resonate with somebody. And you look at the news cycle and all these different things yeah. that people pervade people's lives. <clears throat> that you know, at the end of the day, it's God's grace. It's mm -hmm. a it's a true inquiry into what the truth is, yeah. and it's never something that happens quickly, like you said, read an article, it's a lived faith, yeah. right? And, you know, I'm uh, listening to you too, Keith, and just, you know, thinking back in my high school, my high school days, I was a cradle Catholic. You know, I, I've always wore the crucifix or the Christ head around my neck from the time I was like in elementary school, but it was, you know, Catholic in name only, like you described. And it's like, not that I look back and I, and I regret because it's the Felix culpa of my life. You know, like the fact that I wasn't living my faith and all of the, all the faults, all the guilt, all the shame of my youth and my mistakes, you know, and turning to Christ at a very pivotal moment in, in my, you know, in my late teenage years into my early twenties was just, you know, evidence for me that Christ can, can transform somebody's life in a single moment. And, and he most certainly did. And but like, you know, listening in, it's just, you know, we're, we're all around the same age. And, and if we were in the high and we're in the same school, going to school together, it just breaks my heart that I wouldn't have been able to represent the Catholic faith <clears throat> as a youth and 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 really represent it well. And I think that is, you know, extensively across the board. You know, that's kind of the situation that that we face. That's right. Now, Keith, you said something that, that struck me that was interesting, that your knowledge of Catholicism didn't come from Catholics. It came from Protestants, right? And that yeah. really is a, that, that's a really pivotal statement that how could you really understand something when it's not coming from the source? It's coming from somebody who's taking it and either misconstruing it or um, censoring it or mischaracterizing it, right? Uh, could speak to that a little bit, like how, yeah, if you would. Yeah, well, I think, I think part of the issue is who who would give those answers and who would be listening? Mm -hmm. So in 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 the world I grew up in, there and I think this is true for today. Around Christianity, there is a narrative that exists in the Protestant world and kind of a a culture of what it means to be a Christian that's just different in Catholicism. So there's this narrative and this this understanding of what salvation is and humanity is and and how your faith is like this complete individualistic thing based on a decision that you make privately and individualistically, okay, this decision to follow Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, it, it has it has nothing to do probably with any kind of church. I mean, church is sort of viewed as part of it, but not necessarily part of it. So there are a lot of people that are very strong Christians from an evangelical perspective, but they might not necessarily have any affiliation or a strong affiliation with any particular church. They bounce around from church to church. They watch different things on TV or whatever, but they have their Bible, and that's sort of like this personalized thing, right? It's all about the personal relationship with Jesus. Well, Catholics don't really talk like that. They don't really have the same narrative around their faith, and they don't really live in that universe. So the only people that are really talking about Christianity in that, in that space is kind of like a, an echo chamber 
are mm-hmm. other people that are living in that. So there's really no, you know, like for example, if you grew up like I did watching TBN, okay, the Trinity Broadcasting Network, you're watching all these evangelists on on Christian TV at night. You're never going to see any Catholics on there, mm-hmm. but you might see different types of Protestants on there. They're not all from the same type of church. So if that's your world of Christianity, Catholics aren't included in that. They're not part of it. So Catholicism just seems to be like this completely different universe. It's not the same thing. So so you really have to go out of your way to hear from a Catholic talk about their faith. Because Protestants will talk about Catholicism, but it's sort of like what they believe. You know, I'm going to tell you what they believe. And Catholicism is usually lumped in with like Mormonism, Jehovah's Witness, or other kind of like groups that they would view as fringe. Catholicism is never put forth as the original expression of Christianity, the church that Jesus Christ started. So for Protestants, they look at Catholicism not even just as another denomination, but as some kind of other subculture that may or may not really be Christian. So people aren't listening to those voices that unless they're part of that. That's why I think it's hard for for Protestants to learn from Catholics what Catholics believe because they're not in the same spaces. And that, yeah, it's kind of like an incremental isolation. It just continues and continues, yeah. and you create those echo, echo chambers. And it's pervasive. Like I, I hear kids, uh, even in the Catholic tradition, they're born, raised, brought up in the in in the Catholic Church, and then you know they're not going to church. Their parents aren't going to church, but now they happen to be in confirmation preparation. Mm-hmm. And then one of the questions that just came out: It's like, so are are Catholics? Christian? Are we, are we Christian? Like, so not only is it, you know, like pervasive in the sense of the echo chamber, it's also kind of pervading the consciousness of, of young Catholics Mm -hmm. that are being raised in the lineage of the practice of the faith, because what's dominating their conversation when it comes to any form of religion or spirituality is a non-denominational kind of uh, environment where Christianity is being lived out and shared in conversation. And now Catholics don't have anything to apply to that. And now they feel like, well, are we Christian? Like we couldn't be more Christian, you know, like, you know, down to the OG of, of what you're sharing, Keith. So, you know, it's also within uh, the scope of the need for catechesis within the church with our younger, younger generation. Mm Mm-hmm. So absolutely. We have to be careful of that too, Father Rich, like you said, because I talk to Catholics a lot who mm-hmm. they fall right into that. They say, well, I'm a Catholic, not Christian, you know, or I'm not one of those born again Christians. I'm a Catholic. Mm-hmm. And we got to be careful with that because no, we're, we're misunderstood. We're misrepresenting ourselves okay. when we say things like that. Mm-hmm. The, re- the reality is Catholics are born again Christians. We're the first ones. So when, mm-hmm. when Catholics, play into that that narrative and that that culture and they put themselves on the outside of it rather than than center themselves in the middle of it then it just perpetuates that that misconception yeah and i mean we are we're born of water and spirit we're born again christians we are christians like you said keith we're the original expression of christianity um and here's something that but you what you just said brought something up for me is that a lot of times christians Protestant denominations will define themselves by the fact that they're originally not Catholic, right? Your mainline Protestant traditions, their whole definition and their reason to exist is that they are not Catholic. So when you're starting with that premise that we exist because we're not Catholic, how could you ever give Catholicism a fair shake? It's baked into the recipe of what they are. Now, vice versa, Catholics will say, we're Catholics. We're not anything that you guys say you are. But yeah, we are. We're, mm-hmm. we're biblical. We're apostolic. <clears throat> we believe in being born again. We believe in uh, scripture. We believe in grace. We believe in all of these same things. But because we define each other by the via negativa, we are not you because of X instead of we are like because of Y, that's where we're getting these divides that become sometimes insurmountable by a by their genetic nature. The, somebody told me, I think it's a good, it's been really good for me to, to, to get, gain this perspective of what you're talking about. He said, um, you know, Protestants will tell you what they don't believe. Catholics will tell you what they believe. Mm-hmm. And so in a lot of cases, Protestants believe what we believe. Right. But there's so much of it that they leave off the table. Mm-hmm. Um, and, 
you know, that's really helped me to, to gain the perspective of, yeah, these are my brothers and sisters. They're, they're eating appetizers. They're missing the whole meal and dessert and the wine and the, 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 the camaraderie of, of true, like, um, uh, unity as a community. Right. Yeah. Even if we do it poorly, uh, it's still there. Yeah. Uh, and then, and then where I think a lot of this gets left over, which what Keith was saying is that it's now become so much more individualistic with the secular culture in our country. Sure. Right. It's, it's not it th- like you, you look at Christianity. I've, I've been very fortunate to go to South America, Central America, Europe, uh, I mean, even even Dubai, the expression of the Catholic faith there, uh, the expression of the African church, all of that centers around what we believe. Right. Mm-hmm. So so you could you could definitely say that they're different than us, but it's it's a very shallow way of looking at it. Yeah. We, we still believe we still receive the Eucharist. We still mm-hmm. go to confession. We still express our faith. But but they do it in different ways. And so like just that perspective alone, it's like you take one of these churches like in a Bible belt somewhere and the guy's like a really good preacher and the band's really great. You take that and you plant that over. The expression will be there. Mm-hmm. It won't be there in the culture. It, it'll be something different, like maybe a mission mm-hmm. or, uh, you know, we're helping these people and whatever. But it, it's. But you take the Catholic Church and you put it everywhere. It it takes its own expression. It takes yeah, its own life. It's it's liturgia, right? It's it's the work of the people, and the people's work is going to look very diverse when you go from parish to parish, state to state, yeah. country to country, continent to continent. You know, the universal church, the expression of it in liturgy centers around the Eucharist, the source and summit of our faith, and in our proper worship and praise and adoration of our God manifesting in the sacramental church you know, instituted by Jesus himself, those expressions are very unique in character, but are all centering on the same very source and summit of faith. It's drawing us in and it's giving a place for us to invest our labor as a people before God. And and there is something very beautiful in that. And something I want to kind of add to what you were sharing before, Delacrosse, too, is, you know, there's a, a local, a local uh, evangelical church that's growing in massive popularity. And, you know, I had one of the followers of, of this, uh, this pastor, um, expressed to me, I, I, he has, he has cancer, very rare form of cancer. And, and he and I have been interacting for a little while now and, um, and praying together, but he, he shared with me in a very vulnerable moment. He just said, you know, father rich, I, I'm just really struggling because my, my pastor is just constantly railing on, all these different denominations, including Catholicism and, and sharing this, that, and the other. And, and he said, can I just ask you uh, some questions, you know, um, because this is what's being said to me. And, and what a, what a gift to be able to have that moment as a priest, to be able to share with him, like, no, that's not what the Catholic church teaches. Mm -hmm. Um, This is what the Catholic church teaches, but how many other people are exposed to the magazines, to the preaching, to the, that's doing the same thing you're describing is like, this is what we don't believe, but is that truly what's being represented in whatever denomination was being talked about, including Catholicism? Yeah. There there are lies, Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. And I I think what's, What's so interesting about Catholicism, it's kind of ironic, is that the Catholic Church is one of the only churches out there, I would say probably the only church out there, maybe there's a couple others, where you can get a definitive answer on what the church believes about anything. Mm -hmm. Because most of these other churches out there don't have a catechism like Father Rich is holding up. They have a statement of faith on a website that is extremely general, vague. It 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 hones in on a couple of points, but it doesn't get down to the nitty gritty of what really is being taught by the church. And the Catholic church has that. And that's, what's so beautiful about it. And so unifying about it is you can say, look, as a Catholic, this is what we all teach and believe. But in the, in the Protestant world, you don't have that there. I mean, there are very few exceptions. I would say, I mean, I know historically there were the different synods and the different um, catechisms and the, the, but nobody's really following those today in modern Protestantism. That's sort of a relic from the past in in terms of like post Reformation stuff. So the average 
the average evangelical church you could walk into right now, even ones that are denominational, you can say, well, what does your church teach about this? And you might find a huge variance. For I'll give you one quick example. When I was um, working as a as a pastor in an evangelical free church for for about two years, I was there. They had a statement about about baptism that basically left it open to interpretation to each individual pastor. So you were allowed to baptize infants if your conviction was that you should do that, but the church didn't officially teach that you could or couldn't. It just said. We don't know. It's up to each pastor to figure out what they want to do. So if I didn't want to baptize an infant, um, I could say, no, I don't want to do that. But I would need to bring someone else in who would do that. So th there's a lot of variations on things, even within denominations. Of course, the denomination I spent most of my time in, the United Methodist Church, they don't even follow their own teaching. Like their leadership doesn't even follow their own teaching. That's why the church is splitting again. So Really, I think what's more ironic is that when you want to find out what other churches believe, like you were saying, Ryan, it's always about, well, we we don't believe this. We don't believe that. But when you start pressing them on what do you believe, you're going to get very vague answers and you're going to get very general um, answers because people always have to leave open the door for personal interpretation of, of the Bible. And in the Catholic Church, we can we can definitively say, this is what we teach. Yet it's so interesting that so many people don't know what it does teach. Keith, I love that treatment because like the trajectory and, and it's so reassuring and it's and it's opening up my mind the way that we lean in. We lean into magisterial teaching. We lean into the tradition of what has been upheld in orthodoxy and what a resting upon the rock that is Peter and the successors of Peter <laughs> that we have that because that's ultimately what's going to tend us to the unity that that a good shepherd accomplishes with his sheep and you know the importance of catechesis the importance of magisterial teaching because it is that central authority that's bringing us together in thought word and action it's, it's also the reality of the encounter with christ that we have in the eucharist and in confession and in baptism i was baptized as an infant but we have bad pastors. Like, let's not even, it started with Judas, like throughout centuries, we've had people that have just gone off the rails and led lots of sheep astray. But the reality of our church is that we have a, a working tradition that if, even if you had a bad pastor, you can still go and receive the fullness of faith, the, the deposit of our faith by reading the catechism, by, you know, reading, you know, what we believe and by encountering Christ in the Eucharist, when I got kicked out of the seminary, you know, everybody's like, well, why, you know, I'm surprised you haven't left the church. Like, why aren't you leaving the church? It's someone like, you're just going back. And I'm like, I, I encounter Christ in a way that I will never be able yes. to encounter Christ at your church. Yep. I can't, it's impossible. Yep. I can't, you, you are the Lord. You, you're, you have the words of everlasting life. I'm not going anywhere, mm -hmm. just like Peter. And I, and I pray for the guys that, that did get kicked out of the seminary or left the seminary and stopped going it's to the okay. church. But, you know, like the, the reason that, that I just value our friendship and Billy Kramer and Chris Snowden and so many other guys is just like, they're not leaving the they're not leaving the church. Alex Sanchez and like all the you know th that's the thing we lean in to the embrace of of Christ and we fulfill the vocation that God is calling us to, and you know th that's the trajectory. But like the opposite and what you're what you're sharing with us right now, Keith, is eye opening. That you know when you kind of enter into this kind of non denominational kind of uh, environment where it's left to the subjective uh, person to kind of interpret and put into practice whatever they want, that's kind of an isolating uh, trajectory and then almost like a fragmentation. And in that process, I could see culturally the newer forms of what's being born out of this movement, which is like, I'm spiritual, but not religious. So now I'm kind of spiritual in isolation. I'm in the sea of unknown and I'm going to come to conclusions myself. And that is just so treacherous to any form of solidarity and union of mind, heart, body, or soul. Yeah. How can the Holy Spirit, who is the interpreter of tradition, who is the one who inspires um, scripture, how can the Holy Spirit in, inspire completely opposing views of what 
a passage means in two people and not be divided. How can you divide the Holy Spirit and make the li- a liar of the Holy Spirit? That's heresy. It's not possible. So how can you have disagreement within a church on a fundamental matter of faith and still say that the Holy Spirit is guiding that church? It seems to me to be a logical impossibility when you approach it from the view of the Holy Spirit preventing error among those who that the Holy Spirit guides. But these churches will say, well, you can believe this or that. It doesn't really matter. And the Holy Spirit's cool with either of them. That's not, that's not possible. That That is a complete misunderstanding of the Holy Spirit. So, Keith, what does keep these churches together? What is the theological centripetal force that prevents them from just spinning apart? Well, I think one of the issues is nobody really knows how to answer that question, Ryan. You, when you talk to people sometimes, they'll say things like, well, we need to have unity in the essentials, but we have, we have you know, charity in the non-essentials, or we have, you know, freedom in the non-essentials. But who gets to decide what an essential versus a non-essential is? Mm-hmm. That's always where you kind of go, we don't know. Because, and here's the biggest thing at the heart of this whole issue. Most people get Catholicism wrong because they apply a standard to it, which it was never meant to be applied to. And, and what I mean is this, people don't understand the concept of the church. In Protestant world, the church, and I'm using air quotes there for people listening, is this invisible group of believers in Jesus everywhere in the world, but we don't really know who it is. We don't really know who it isn't. There's no there's no um, community or accountability. It's just the church is kind of everybody who's really a Christian. In Catholicism, there's, there's very much an understanding of what Jesus meant when he said, I will build my church. The concept of a church that has the authority to teach the faith and to guide its people infallibly, and when I say that, you know what I mean, that's a concept that people outside of Catholicism don't have. Their standard for truth is the Bible. That's why you're always hearing people say, well, where in the Bible this? Where in the Bible that? Where in the Bible this? Where in the Bible that? And this isn't in the Bible, and that isn't in the Bible. I, I just, I've been, I have this conversation probably five or six times a week with people. Sometimes we have to help people understand that that paradigm of looking to the Bible alone outside of the understanding of what the church is, is where most people get hung up because they're trying to apply this standard to the Catholic church that was never meant to be applied to it, which is the standard that, like you said, Ryan, how do we know what we believe, what's holding us together? Everyone wants to just say, well, we're biblical Christians. We believe the Bible. But as you just pointed out, that kind of falls apart the moment there's any kind of disagreement or contradiction. So to me, I always point people to the fact of saying, if, if you don't need the church to teach and preach the faith, then why isn't there one universally understood Protestantism? Why isn't that a, just like, just like you have a catechism that all Catholics believe, why isn't there a Protestant catechism that all Protestants believe and they're all unified in that? The fact that there isn't, it self-destructs according to, to that standard anyway. But people aren't used to looking at the Catholic Church that way. They're used to saying, well, we start with the mindset of the Bible alone, but you have to back them up and say, why do you do that? Right. And they don't really have a good way to answer that. Well, unfortunately, probably the real answer is that you had, you know, electors of the Holy Roman Empire who are using religion and politics to get more land in the 15th and 16th century Germany. And they use the Bible and they use this new printing press as a way to get more land and not to have to pay taxes to Rome and this and that. They don't understand that they've been pawns in a long historical seedy evolution of people using religion as a political tool. You know, I mean, you have the 30 years war, you have all these different things that go on. And now they're here 400 years later and they're like, why did you do that? I don't know. That's what we do. Right. And (laughs) I I, I like to the point that you're making, Keith, is like, if you don't have a criteria of who you exclude, how could you have a criteria then of who you include? How can you say this is a Christian if you can't say this isn't a Christian, mm-hmm. right? How can you say this is the right interpretation of the Bible if you can't say this is the wrong interpretation of the Bible? Mm-hmm. How can you say where is that in Scripture and then have an essential like the Trinity when the Trinity isn't in Scripture? How can you agree on the canon of Scripture when the canon of Scripture isn't in the Bible? So there's a lot of logical 
just inconsistencies in Protestantism that are baked into <coughs> it from its inception. But now here we are 400 years later, and you've got these people who have evolved in this path, right? You know, you've got this, I would say, this um, natural selection of traits and characteristics in their faith that don't really serve them anymore. They've, they've grown wings when they're underwater animals, right? They've grown things that don't make sense um, in, in the interpretation of faith, and it's just a byproduct of the, the history of where that's led them from. Yeah, there's, but there's a beauty. There's an absolute beauty to consequences. There's an absolute beauty and poetic nature of what's happening right now. And to see this kind of convergence of thought where people are sitting there conscientiously thinking, you know, does this make sense to me? You know, does this make sense? And and where do I go from here? Like yeah. this kind of this return and and your testimony is a, a beautiful a beautiful one, Keith. That we've we've covered in previous episodes too. And just hearing your testimony uh, today, this this return to this oneness is is happening because there is really a central authority, and it is the person of Jesus Christ. And and he is he has established a church through Peter yeah. that shepherds and tends the oneness and and you know as as a pastor as as a, as a priest seeing the fruits of of the talk show sharing the faith w- witnessing people kind of turning is is such an inspiring inspiring thing and when i when i look the, the lens that i look at it is you know we're all catholic <laughs> at one point you know prior to the protestant reformation we were all, every single one of us were Catholic in our family line, you yeah. know, if, if for the most part, like we were all at a level of identity. And this is what I tell people all the time who were baptized Catholic. And then they go on kind of a cycle of searching <clears throat> because that's, what's popular to find your own way. But then they come back and they say, you know, father, I've been, I'm, I'm, I'm Protestant, et cetera, et cetera. I'm like, oh, okay, there's ways that we can do RCIA, bring you in, blah, blah, blah. And then they come to say, well, father, I was baptized in the Catholic church. I'm like, well, once a Catholic, always a Catholic, you know, mm-hmm. father, I received first Holy communion. And then I went off, my, mm-hmm. I received confirmation. I went off of my, of my own way. It's like, no, once a Catholic, always a Catholic, like in the bloodlines of what we, what we are familiar with looking at the history books, it's like. We're just a degree of separation. There's a lot more that we can celebrate in <laughs> yeah. in unity that that we just need to kind of unveil for people what are these misconceptions, you know, very clearly. Yeah, it's not like Protestantism formed out of whole cloth out of the sea foam in the 1500s. Yeah. There was something before Protestantism. What is that? Were no Christians saved for 1500 years? Did Jesus say, hey, I'm peace not to heaven, see you in 1500 years with mm-hmm. the truth? So when you start to confront these things, and then with the fact that we made earlier that fundamentally, I, we agree on 90% of doctrine. We do agree on 90% of doctrine, but we're defining ourselves on what we don't agree on. Mm-hmm. So if we start focusing on what we agree on, like with the Eastern Orthodox, we agree on a lot with the Eastern Orthodox. There's a few things that we don't, but that's why we're so much closer, I think, in practice to them, um, or even in the ability to reunite. Mm-hmm. But So how do we get to that point with you know, these Protestant denominations, because we're coming from the same root. And I think Keith is a perfect authority to answer that question. It's like, what are the steps forward toward greater unity and and ecumenism and and ecumenical relationships to bridge this gap? Well, I think the, the best thing that we can do is live out our Catholic faith boldly and publicly, which is what I love about you guys, you know, and because the thing I love about, about the Catholic talk show and all of you guys is that, you you live out your Catholic faith in a way that I think is going to connect with a lot of people who who aren't necessarily searching those for those answers on their own. They just kind of come across you guys and they go, oh, okay, these guys kind of talk like me. They sound like me, and yet you're giving them the truth. So we've got to be out there. We've got to be willing to live our faith boldly and proudly as Catholics, not shy away. And and act like we're we've got some kind of disease. Oh, I'm Catholic. I can't talk to you, or I can't do this because you're a Protestant. So therefore, you must know every verse in the Bible way better than I do because I'm just a measly little Catholic. No, we have to be out there, and we have to show people the beauty of our faith. So I think there's things that we can do individualistically to bring Catholicism into our everyday lives, into the relationships that we have with people. But then at a church level, I could say, and I'm not an authority on this part of it, I just have opinions. 
I think what the Catholic Church needs to do is be more boldly, unapologetically, distinctively Catholic, not try to do things that sort of make us like the world or make us like Protestantism. You know, a lot of you can run into those those parishes that they try to model themselves more towards Protestant churches because they think that's what going to attract more people. But I, I think what we need to do is be boldly Catholic and show people the beauty of our faith because that's the thing we need more than anything is to to reveal it to the world not not to not to try to like trick the world but just to reveal it that's and, that, and that's, that's so that's good the best thing that we can I, do. I i tr truth attracts you know truth is something that is received and it's good medicine and it and it heals the heart and it heals the mind and it rids us of lies you know and so speaking of a lot of lies keith and and you know we've touched on uh, some of the dynamics yeah. that that card if we if we start shifting more clearly into like misconceptions. What are some of the leading misconceptions um, that Protestants have related to Catholicism? I think the biggest ones are that Catholics worship Mary. Um, I get that all the time. Well, if you're, you know, Jesus is the only mediator. Jesus is the only mediator. And, and I can't, I, I wish I had a dollar for every time I had that conversation. So that Catholics worship Mary, worship the saints, that Catholics believe that the Pope is perfect that Catholics don't believe the Bible is the inspired, inerrant, infallible word of God, that Catholics think you have to earn your salvation, that Catholics worship statues, that they um, that they don't believe that you need a personal relationship with Jesus, that you don't need faith, you just need to do the right things. I mean, those are the general ones that you hear all the time. Yeah. And it, it amazes me that people still believe that, but they do. They do. That's the narrative that people have over and over is that the Catholic Church preaches a different gospel. Yeah, where does that come from? Where where are those where does that kind of line of thought originate with? Is that is that is that from the Protestant Reformation uh the leading figures of that? Is that just kind of a a folk theology? I mean, where does that kind of line of thought come from? I think because there are a lot of people out there in the Protestant world that are railing against the Catholic Church and that's why they are saying these things. There are entire YouTube channels focused on <clears throat> propagating these things. There are books about it. There are all these different things that are out there in the world that put forth these lies in an authoritative way in according to this little formula of the Catholic Church believes this, but the Bible says that. Therefore, the Bible's right. The Catholic Church is wrong. So there are a lot of loud voices out there promulgating these lies and deceiving people. Why Why are they doing that? Do they have something to gain? I mean, why would... We don't sit here and do, go through the catechism of or, or the teachings of the Baptists or the Lutherans and try to knock that down. Why are they specifically targeting the church? Why? I mean, what's their oh, motivation? Because it's, it's because, because, I mean, you're right. I've, I've, I can't tell you how many Protestant services I've been to over my life where I've heard about the evils of the Catholic church, but I've never once heard a homily by a priest about the evils of some random Protestant church. The reason why I think is because, because when a Protestant pastor can do that, he knows that a large group of people that are listening to him have some affiliation with Catholicism. A lot of them are ex-Catholics or, or might they might be Catholic. And if he can put himself as an authority over the Catholic church and show people how smart he is and how they're wrong and he's right, that's going to suck more people into his funnel, into his influence, into his teaching. So ultimately, they donor believe base. that. What's that? And donor base. Well, yeah, yeah. I mean, if you can, if you can demonstrate to to the world why the evil Catholic Church doesn't know, know the Bible, but you do, that's how you bring people in. But they don't do it just to Catholics. But, but um, it's pretty common to do that. Yeah, there's this dude. Uh, this is like a microcosm of everything we're talking about. I had some uh, Jehovah's Witness come to my door. No, no. I was actually waiting for a nurse for like a blood test, so I opened the door. I was a little too <laughs> sticking welcoming, out your arm. you know, to this guy. I'm like, come on in. So he was already in my house. <laughs> That's uh, great. And then he's like, wow, okay. He starts cracking up the Bible. I was like, oh boy, this is my first time. I had some time. <laughs> but he was telling me what he believed. And and he was showing me in scripture where he believed it. And I know that he received it and that he was trying to share that with me. Mm -hmm. So I was like, well, who told you that? And he's like, well, I became a Jehovah's Witness. He told me this story. They knocked on my door, this and that, right? <clears throat> I said, well, how do I know if the guy that told you this 
is telling you the truth. Yeah. And he says, well, I, I believe it's the truth because he told me and it makes sense. And I was like, well, who told that guy? So we went up a ladder to an office in New York that were where the head of the Jehovah's Witness was. So I said, so some guy in an office in New York, it's not even a church, told this guy who told this guy, we went down the authoritative channels, <laughs> we went down to the authoritative channels, and he goes, yeah, that's, <laughs> you know, that's what he believes. And we were all talking about authority and everything, but what it told me was that they told him something, this works, they tell this guy something, this works, and the reason why it's all disparate is because you have to say something that works. If they leave, you got to change what you're saying because you're not getting people through the door, yeah. which all comes back to your success as a pastor, yep. right? Because your success as a pastor is not if you shepherd one soul to Christ, one soul to heaven. It's got to be a lot of them. It's got to be a building a culture. And that's why they change what they say because whatever they're saying is not working. You well, know, look little, at the little tickle the ears. And they sound like, they sound like, like the Hillsong guy when he comes out and like abortion. They, they give this like, it's almost like a CEO trying to apologize for something without, you know, alienating the base of the consumer. You know what I mean? Like, does, does it feel like that to you? Like, that's kind of how I. It's like Bud Light advertising on UFC. Right, yeah, right. Yeah. Well, I mean, but even in that case, the CEO gets that's up great. there and there's no apology. There's no, you're alienating. And obviously they handle it the wrong way. But but this is like, they they play with. They play with doctrine, faith. They play with what they are expecting other people to believe or navigate through as a source of success in their lives, whether it's well-intentioned or not. Yeah, and their, their little pope in an office building in New York is just that. He's their little pope, and it's yeah. still one person's interpreting, and you have Somebody's to follow it. Somebody's an authority. Right. Yeah. Somebody's it's an authority. It's inescapable to have any affiliation between multiple people without one person setting an authority. That is just mm -hmm. how... Logic works. I mean, I'm sorry. I mean, I, I didn't create but, logic, but, but this that's guy, what happens. And, and kind of going back to what you were saying before, when the student is ready, the teacher will appear, right? So this guy was not ready to 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 take this on. Like, I mean, he I mean, this is this is a perfect microcosm of what we're talking about. You know, I said, Do you understand that what you believe is something somebody told you? And that they're the authority. And I said, Your religion was started in 18 whatever. Right. And what happened from, you know, all this stuff just blew his mind. He's like, you know what? I just want to go back to believe in this, man. <laughs> I want to go back to knocking yeah, on the yeah. doors because I've got somebody I got to go report to. Right. He's just like not ready. Yeah. So and, and the difference is these guys are going to this church. They've been given the grace of inquiring. Who is this guy? Yeah. Is everything he's saying to me true? I feel good after I leave church. My son, he baptized my son, right? He's got the hooks in. So now everything he says to you is is the God truth, mm -hmm. right? And if it isn't, it crushes your worldview. If it, yeah, if it isn't, you, now it's just like, what it, have I done? You know, Marina and Jeff left the Met. It's the Met. These friends of mine became Catholic on, on a trip. Me and uh, Father Rich took. Guess you got to shoot hogs out of a helicopter to get coming to somebody. <laughs> Especially get somebody like Jeff. <laughs> yeah. So, but but she left the Met uh, about a year later or six months later. You know, instead of hey, good luck to you. Like, I mean, if somebody left to our church, I wouldn't be mad at them. I'd, I'd be worried for them. The, these people disowned this woman, right? This is in two thousand twenty-two, mm -hmm. right? Disowned her. No more phone calls. No more. So what is the premise of the unity? What is the premise of the unity of these Christians? Yep. Right. And I'm sure it doesn't happen to everybody. I'm sure some people are reasonable. Is so what good. is the premise of that unity? This is so good. What is it? That so, we're all being lied to and we all have so, to agree this on is, it? This is, this is what is fundamentally innate in the human person created by God. So the catechism of the Catholic Church states, and this is where, to your point, Keith, now we're like resting our head on magisterial teaching and let's take this informed question. By scripture. Informed by scripture. and and let's look at it. So um, catechetical point. 44, man is by nature and vocation a religious being. Coming from God, going toward God, man lives a fully human life only if he freely lives by his bond with God. 
The problem is, and the structure that you just created, is where mankind steps into the position and seat and authority of God. Right. Hmm? And then what happens in the hurt and disenfranchisement of folks that may be interacting loosely or uh, completely isolated from the church or a subject of the church that's hurt and then by way of scandal is separated, they separate themselves from the church, is that now we need some type of authority figure that says that they are God that's different than this. And now I have to establish a relationship, a clique, a power, a community in light of that because I need a place of belonging. I need person and community. Thank you, Norris Clark. Like, thank you, thank you, philosophers that have. have a, I need these structures around me so that I feel secure in my bond with God. But there's there that's questionable because you're actually placing your authority in some person that is an influencer in this unknown office in Manhattan that is... Where did he get it from? Where did, where he, get did he get it from? I hate to be a cynic, guys. And you know I'm not a cynic, right? <laughs> <laughs> I'm not a cynical guy. <clears throat> I don't know. Burger King comes out, and then 10 years, you got Wendy's, you got Burger King, you got this and that. Chipotle comes out, you got 15 burrito places. Taco Bell comes out, you got 10 taco places. A bar opens up, another bar opens up next door. <clears throat> a CVS opens up, a Walgreens right. right across the street. That's what happens, right? <laughs> Someone opens a church and they're like, hey, these guys got some power and power is pretty attractive. That gets me girls and money. I like that stuff. I like power. They've got power. Well, I'm going to open up a little competing shop here. I'm going to open up my own little Burger King right next to the Catholic Church. And cynically, if you look at history, I'm sorry, that is what it is. Martin Luther intended to reform the church, but then was manipulated by politicians to become a pawn and those politicians getting more money and getting more power. And because of that, so many souls have been led astray and cut off from the unity in the body of Christ and from the one vine of Christ and the unity that Jesus Christ prayed for in his great prayer. Mm -hmm. And it's all because of perverted and perverse and reasons of desire for power. And, and to be fair, this happens in the Catholic Church. 100%. That, that there, there is a, a, a priest who became very powerful and very influential and I know people that were in the ground work of this amazing, still amazing ministry in our church, one of the best for the years. Best. And, and you know, once he got called out for something, guess what he did? He went and got into a strip mall and he started his own church and he tried to bring everybody out of that church. Yep. The Catholic church yeah. with him yep. to the strip mall. And that happens all <laughs> the time. And, and it's just like influence and power and ambition you know, like the, the humility we're called to is real. And, you know, it's 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 a dangerous situation to place yourself into positions of influence and power. And that's why I, I rest on Bishop Estevez sending me into the influencing of online ministry. And I had a number of brother priests saying, like, Rich, you know, how can we be of best support to you getting into this ministry so that you don't lose your vocation? You know, because that's a that's a it's real yeah. issue. Yeah. You know, and then look how many guys that were in, you know, media and 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 you know, yeah. And then next thing you know, they're now an Episcopalian uh, uh, priest. Uh -huh. They're now a you know, etc. Fill in the blank. Yeah. yeah you oh, oh, I, I was in a uh, I was in a movie, a Scorsese movie. Well, a year later, I'm married with a kid. I was on Oprah. A year later, I'm married with a kid. Oh, I got this huge ministry. A year later, I've got a, a, a mistress and a four wheeler and whatever. Right, mm -hmm. Keith? How many? People did you bring with you from your mistress in a right now I'm, I'm right now I'm working on zero um actually I guess you can count my wife there's one I guess in the <laughs> most beautiful. in the most that's beautiful um reverse way you'll know him by your fruits that you haven't brought anyone with you that you're right you know? <laughs> <laughs> well, well I it's funny because there have been people from my old, my churches that have become Catholic, but they haven't like joined the Church of Keith, and that's right. the biggest difference, right? It's like what you guys are talking about is, and I and I saw this, you know, and I, I, I this is what I wanted to be. I mean, my dream was to start a church one day and have it blow up and become this giant mega church. I mean, when you're when you're in ministry, your heroes are the guys that have done exactly that. They're the guys that, you know, they're the Rick Warrens, they're the Bill Hybels, the, the Mark Driscoll's, the, you know, those guys that have, have gone out on their own and there's this movement of God and 
they've started these big movements. That's what everybody's trying to do. All those guys in the strip mall are trying to be that. They're trying to grow this thing that ultimately is revolving around them and their interpretation and their understanding and their ability to teach the truth. That's why, and it's very centered on them. That's why when someone leaves, it's like, it's like you just, you know, shot my dog or something like that is what it feels like to them because it's so much about them personally. Whereas like in the Catholic church, and I know people are people, I know, I know priests feel, you know, they feel pain. They feel hurt as well when, when people are people, but no Catholic priest is walking around his parish with the same sense of this is mine that a lot of these other guys are doing in their, in their, you know, church communities that they've started. And I, I remember hearing a, a pastor in one of my old towns who had started this church and he was chewing out this group of people that had left. And he literally called them spiritual adulterers because, you know, he heard that some of the people there were going to other churches during the week for different things. Like you're a spiritual adulterer. And I'm like, is that even a thing? You know I mean? That's, that's what God said about the Israelites, not some dude in his little church that he started. And then people went down the street to the other one because they had a better band or whatever. <laughs> but again, it all goes back to the idea of how do we know what the Christian faith is? It's revealed to us through a church, not from a guy in his Bible in the year 2023. Yeah. And when we when we understand that that paradigm is illogical, as you were saying, Sheila, a minute ago, like there's all these logical contradictions. And like Ryan Delacross, you were talking about, well, who told you? Well, who told you? Well, who told you? You're going to wind up with some guy going, well, this is what the Bible says and the Holy Spirit revealed to me. And I'm sorry, but that's just low-hanging fruit to say, well, what about the other guy down the street who has the same Bible? Does he have the same Holy Spirit? Because he's got a different view of that. Mm -hmm. There's this endless, this endless cycle of, of fear and a lack of assurance for all the times that Protestants are always talking about you Catholics don't have assurance of salvation. I would say this, you don't even have assurance that what you're teaching is actual Christianity. Right. You can't, you, you don't know that. We do, right? Because our church goes all the way back to Peter and Jesus. So we have this assurance and that's why the catechism is so important. And that's why for me as a, as a, as a Catholic convert, I have so much peace because I don't have to wrestle through that hazy world of trying to figure out theology anymore. I just have to work on obedience, which is a lot harder, but it's a lot more free because guess what? That's, and I don't mean to say this in a, in a, like a prideful way, but that's in my control. And what I mean is this, I have the ability through the grace of God to obey God. He's not called me to do something and then not giving me the grace to be obedient to it. But I can know what that is because of the church. Mm -hmm. Apart from the church, I really am left with my own thoughts and yeah. somebody else's view. And I have to decide and work my way through that. And that is very, that's yeah. very troubling. And I think that's why a lot of people have so much anxiety around which church they go to when they leave a church because they're afraid. What if I've left the guy that was telling me the truth? Or what if I'm with the guy who's telling me a lie? <laughs> How do I work through that? There's a lot of anxiety. When you talk to a lot of Catholic converts, Father Rich, I'm sure you experienced this. There are people who just, when they become Catholic, they can just breathe. They go, oh, now I can rest in the bosom of, of Holy Mother Church. And I don't have to solve all these problems anymore. I just have to get about the business of living a holy life. Because when your whole life is spent trying to figure out theology, you're not worried so much about holiness. You're worried so much about what if I'm wrong? And when you can just rest in the knowledge of the truth that comes to you from the church, you don't have to worry about that anymore. Now you can focus on being with Christ and becoming a saint, which is what we're supposed to be doing anyway. That's why we say welcome home yeah. when people come. Uh, Keith, something you said reminds me of a, 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 a great classic joke. So this guy is walking down the city streets one day and he sees this bridge and there's this guy standing at the edge of the bridge. He's like, hey, pal, what are you doing, man? You don't want to jump. Don't you got? Don't you want to live? Guy's like, I don't want to live anymore. He's like, come on, man. Don't you believe in God? He's like, well, yeah, I believe in God. He's like, don't jump. You believe in God. He's like, what church you go to? He's like, Baptist. He's like, me too. He's like, Reformed or Southern? He's like, Southern. He's like, Missouri Synod? Absolutely. Third or fifth? He's like, fifth. 
I'm third jump, you Protestant scum. <laughs> <laughs> so it just shows that, I mean, you start, you get so many divisions in yeah. Protestantism. Like, how do you know what's right? And Keith, that's what you're saying. There's no rest. There's no certainty that you're in the place that, okay, this church was founded by this pastor. This church was founded by this reformer. This church was a split off from, you know, John Wesley split off from the Anglicans, whatever, right? To where we are now, 60,000 denominations right. of Christianity. Or you and have Catholicism who 60, literally Christ. founded by Jesus Christ and on his apostles, directly tied to the apostles. I just, I think that's an insurmountable fact that for 1,500 years you had Catholicism founded by Christ, apostolic succession all the way through them. We've, we've turned the inspiration that we should be helping people to to seek the truth and to, to being consumers of something that kind of just works mm. in their life. Yeah, <laughs> you you know, point, like I, I don't want to, I don't want to miss the opportunity to, because, you know, like the, the show's focus is on, you know, what, what Protestants get wrong about um, Catholicism. And we're talking, you know, fantastically on like dynamics of, of what's happened philosophically, but just for some folks out there that are listening in Keith, like just kind of going into this, like very singularly, you know, does the church worship Mary and how do you respond to somebody that is of the perception? Like I'm 41 years old, like, you know, maybe I've been conditioned to believe that the church does. How do you address that? Yeah. I just take them right to the catechism. I'll just, I'll just take them to the official teaching of the church and and say no that's not what the church does i think it's so important to be clear where where clarity is needed and to confront that and it's it's really there there are there are things that are matters of just asked answered does the church worship mary no but then there's the question behind the question well then why do the catholics pray the rosary why do the catholics have statues of mary why did the Catholics ask for, you know, prayers from saints? Now you get to have these amazing conversations. So you start with the, with the, nope, that's not true. Nope, that's false, whatever. And then we dig into why the church does what. And, and once you do that, man, it's a different conversation. And oftentimes it's a longer conversation and it leads to many, many other questions. But my, my, those are the most fun conversations I have. When we can get past that initial, you know, yes or no, and then into the why, beautiful things can happen. But we have to be able to help people to get there. And the best way to, to answer those misconceptions is to be willing to have those conversations and show people, no, that's not what the church teaches. Look up the catechism of the Catholic Church, what it says about Mary, that she's a created being, that she was graced by God, by the graces of Christ. That's how she was conceived immaculately, not by her own. Uh, grace, but by the grace that comes from Jesus. So we start with what the church teaches, and then we can take it a step deeper to talk about, well, why does the church teach this? And what, one of the things I like to do with people is when we get into a lot of these conversations is to, instead of operating from the framework of the default position for Christianity is Protestantism, and why, are this, why is Catholicism different? I mm -hmm. flip that around. And say, okay, tell me when your denomination stopped um, asking for Mary's intercession or stopped believing that Mary was a perpetual virgin. Because Martin Luther believed these things. Like, and I'll, I will show people just from, from history why the Catholic teaching is the default version of Christianity. And then I will ask them, well, what, why did you guys switch? When did that happen? And oftentimes people, they don't believe that. So one of the biggest misconceptions that we haven't addressed yet, really, maybe we've addressed it indirectly, is that when we said that Catholicism is the original expression of Christianity, that's about doctrine. And that's important because now you're not talking about, well, when did the Catholic Church start doing this? Now you're saying, when did the Protestant Church stop doing this and why? And I think that's a way more interesting conversation to have than, well, when did the Catholic Church start believing in purgatory? Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. I like that. I like that juxtaposition. Yeah. So, Keith, a couple things. Well, <coughs> first, do you ever regret that you have to call the people who watch your YouTube channel the Rosary Crew and not Nestorians? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. I know. Like, it's so funny because I'll make, you know, I made a video about 
Mary being the mother of God. And people are always saying, you know, she's not the mother of God. She's the mother of Jesus. And, and I'm like, well, isn't Jesus God? Well, God. And I'm like, yeah, that, that's a heresy called Nestorianism that the church dealt with in the fifth century. And I'll, you know, I'll go through that. And then people are like, wait a minute, that wasn't from you. But um, <laughs> I, I don't know. Like, I, I wish I wish it wasn't a heresy. I wish it was more like some kind of religious order or whatever, so I could claim it a little bit better. Yeah, <laughs> like oh, the order of the story. Yeah, it's 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 tragic, you know. I mean, um, so then, but speaking of that, how can people engage with you more? I mean, I know our listeners, a lot of them know about you, but for the ones who don't, um, where can they learn more? I mean, I know you got some books, you got a lot of ministries, and you got a lot of cool things going on. Tell us about those. <laughs> Yeah. So, you know, the ministry that I kind of started is called Down to Earth, and that's just down to earthministry.org, down the number two earthministry.org. Um, but really, I just I just kind of started making YouTube videos, um, it, you know, and like four years ago, just on the weekends, my wife and I would go to mass, come home and we'd just say, hey, let's make a video about something. OK. And that kind of started everything. And then, of course, the books. Um, so I, I'm pretty active online with these things. I'm pretty active on social media. I do the best I can to respond to people when they reach out to me. And I do a lot of that on, you know, Instagram, Keith Nestor Catholic and, and Twitter and, you know, through email and things like that. So people can reach out to me. It's, it's the more I've been doing this or the longer I've been doing this, the harder it is to keep that, you know, speedy engagement with people. But, you know, every once in a while, the Lord will, will lead me to certain people that I just feel like are dropped right in my path because for whatever reason, what I'm talking about is resonating with them. And, and we've had some incredible conversations with people who have come into the church and, and things like, and I love doing that, you know? Um, so if people reach out to me, hopefully, hopefully they'll get a response sometime before Jesus comes back, but we'll see. <laughs> um, well, I know you just did a 6,000 mile uh, trip across the country. You know, what was that all about? That was amazing. So, you know, my wife and I and our dog, Lucy, we travel around in this, this motorhome van, we call it the rosary vehicle. I know it's not very original for RV. And we started doing that in 2021. And we just we, we pick a destination, or sometimes it'll be like I have a speaking engagement someplace. And instead of getting on an airplane, we'll just drive and we'll stop in different cities along the way and pray the rosary with people. And people will invite their friends, sometimes it's at parishes, sometimes it's at parks or whatever. And we've done our sixth trip we just got back from. We went all the way to California. And uh, it was an incredible experience. I mean, it was almost as good as when we went to go visit De the Delacrosses at their home in, in uh, Texas. But um, it, it was just awesome. I love being out on the road. I love getting to meet these people that we're interacting with online. I had a woman come up to me in, in um, Southern California saying, Keith, I've been praying with you every single day since day one. And she drove hours to come to pray with us and, and people will, will, will come out and, and spend time with us. And we get to experience this community that is, that is every day on the rosary crew in person in these places. And it's just the coolest thing ever. We absolutely love doing it. That's yeah. why we're, we love talking to you because we're so much alike. We love yeah. hanging out with, with folks that uh, support us that listen to us. We love <clears throat> hearing stories of conversions and, He's experienced at his parish several listeners coming in for RCIA and different things like oh, that. Awesome. So um, yeah, I mean, this is this is the great joy that we have, mm. you know. And it's and it's yeah. no it's no one's individual work. No. It's like the, it's work, the work that we get to share in that is the work of God. It is yeah. the one work like Bishop Polmeyer talked about, and and to participate in that, you know, is is truly a joy. So we want to invite all of you guys to check out the YouTube channel of Keith Nestor by going to you youtube.com forward slash rosary crew with Keith Nestor. And something that I've been experiencing most recently, Keith, is um, just a call and the movement of Our Lady just kind of dominating the ministry these past couple of few weeks now uh, in from October and just um, and just calling all the parishioners, all the families, all the children to start praying the rosary together and and it's uh it's beautiful to see what happens when we humble ourselves and participate in that universal 
prayer, you know, of, of Jesus Christ in the, in the recounting of the, our father and the hail Mary and the glory be these scriptural prayers that are associated with the mysteries of Jesus Christ, who is our central worship. You know, we, we turn to him adoration and, and praise and worship belong by right to the lamb who was slain. And, and meditating on that through the rosary is such a powerful tool. Uh, so thank you for promoting it to the extent that you do. And it's awesome to connect with you today. Well, thank you guys so much. I mean, you guys are a big part of what we do. I mean, I feel like the rosary crew and the Catholic talk show are kind of, you know, they, they go hand in hand. And every 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 uh, time you guys do a live show on the rosary crew, people are always in the live chat going Catholic talk show coming up next Catholic talk show coming up next. Yeah. And, I, and I told them last night that we were going to be filming today and they were like, no way. That's amazing. <laughs> so, that's like we have to do a, we have to do a, a rosary crew Catholic talk show collab sometime where we get everybody together and do a big event and invite everybody. It would be, it would be something to, to, that would be cool like to do the rosary so awesome. together and then jump into a show. Absolutely. That would that be fantastic. Would be so cool. Let's do that. Yeah. Like a lot, like we could do it. Like we could do a live show in like a, like a parish hall or something like that, where we invite the public to come. We all pray the rosary together. And then we do like a, a show together like that live stream or not even live stream recorded with the people there. That would be just amazing. I've got a great idea, Keith. I've got a parish right across the street. And if you could hop in that beautiful rosary vehicle, that RV, come down here with your family and let's, yeah. let's make that happen. That'll be awesome. That'd be great. I'd fly out for that. thinking about, cause, um, we, we were trying to figure out where we were going to go this winter. And uh, I know like you guys, our, our pilgrimage to the Holy Land is getting is getting uh, pushed back. But uh, so Stella and I were thinking, where should we go this winter? Because we got to go someplace warm. And I was like, man, we should go back down to Florida. You know, it's, it's awesome. <laughs> no, let's make it happen. Let's make it happen. That'll be that'll be a blast. Yeah. Well, uh, Keith, again, we appreciate it. Uh, shout out to everyone on the Rosary Crew. Uh, shout out to your ministry and everything that you do. We'll make sure that there's links to it um, in the video notes below. Uh, so go and follow Keith. Uh, look at his books that he's got and downtoearthministries.org. Uh, Keith, always a pleasure. And uh, next time we got to be on your channel. Absolutely, man. Can't wait. Love you guys. Love, Love you too, man. Keith. All the best to you and to all of our followers on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Make sure that you're sharing the content, getting the beauty of our Catholic faith to the furthest ends of the world and all of the nations. The proclamation of the gospel is alive, and it's alive through you, an instrument of God's glory and his grace. Sharing the beauty of our faith is what inspires all of that reality that Christ encaptures, captures in the gospel of John chapter 17, that we would be one. And that desire of the Father of our oneness can only be worked out through your testimony and really humbling ourselves to this one work that we are called to. So thank you for joining us on the Catholic Talk Show each and every week. To our patrons out there, thank you for your financial support. You help us continue to produce this show and support people like Howard, our editor, Kyle, and all the family that's behind the scene working to create this content. God bless you. If you're thinking of of supporting the show, go to Catholic Talk show.com forward slash Patreon. You'll see all the tiers to support us. And we have some cool swag to send your way to say thank you in between time from now until next week. Let's continue to exercise our faith. And one way is by joining the rosary crew today. God bless.